It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to a Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Well, we have made it out west to beautiful Denver, Colorado. Well, I say beautiful, but it's overcast and it's cold and there are some places not far from here it might snow. But then again, well, that's Colorado in November, isn't it? But the Blue Jackets had a nice flight out here. It's uh, always more enjoyable to fly when you win. And they got a big win last evening against the New Jersey Devils in a shootout. 4-3 to three was the final score. There were times it didn't look like the Blue Jackets would get any points in that game. And yet they came away with both points in the game. When New Jersey scored a minute and seven seconds into the first period, you had to think, uh-oh. I know I did. Because... We had talked about how the Blue Jackets came out strong in the game against the Rangers on Friday, got nothing, and then just kind of fell off and never got a goal in that game. So to see them give up a goal a minute and seven seconds into a team that was just on the road the night before and had come back while the Blue Jackets were sitting there waiting, I was thinking, oh boy, this is not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. But to their credit, the Blue Jackets just – Bided their time. They waited. They got a power play chance. Oliver Bjorkstrand tied the game. Then they got one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen. Maybe the most beautiful one I've ever seen live, quite frankly, off the stick of Patrick Line on a great feed from Jake Voracek to take a 2-1 to one lead. But then the Devils in the second period, they decided to come back again with a couple of quick goals, and they took the 3-2 to two lead. And the time was, you know, it was not running. It was running out, but it wasn't so dangerous it wasn't like under three minutes under two minutes in the third period but there was just a sense that New Jersey was starting to lock in where they could uh, run out the clock and Boone Jenner comes off the bench and gets the puck on a turnover like the puck's in the air he has to grab it with a glove set it on the ice he takes a shot while he's basically getting knocked down and he scores the game tying goal overtime was trading of chances back and forth between the two teams and then finally in the shootout Voracek turned out to be the anchorman and he got it done as the third and final shooter, and the Blue Jackets got that second point. Big day for Jonas Corposalo. I think it was an absolutely huge day for him because he got his first win of the year. He did not play badly in either of his losses, but he watched Elvis get out to a 4-0 start before losing on Friday at Madison Square Garden. He was 0-2, knowing that he played well, but yet didn't have a win to show for it. So he was able to get that first win yesterday. So I thought it was huge all around. And then, like I said, when you're going to jump on a plane for three or four hours after a game, you don't want to do it after a loss and not after a second consecutive loss either. So everybody was happy. Everything is good. The Blue Jackets have the day off today, practice day tomorrow, and then play the first of two against the Colorado Avalanche on Wednesday in what will be a home-and-home series. And I'll tell you, people were asking me, like even the people in New Jersey, why are you going to Colorado for one game? Because that normally doesn't happen. Normally your Colorado game is going to be paired up with Arizona or Vegas or both or something like that. But this year it's out here to Denver for one game and then back to play against the Avalanche on the weekend at Nationwide Arena. And quite honestly, the way the schedule, the reason the schedule was set up this way is uh, the Blue Jackets were going to play against the Avalanche in Finland. And that was the plan. And then all the European games got 
scuttled because of COVID. But uh, that's why this uh, trip is set up the way that it, it is. So if you're wondering, and I don't know if you were, but uh, a lot of people that I've talked to were like, why were you guys, why are you going out there and playing one game and then coming back and playing them? That's why, because originally we would have gotten on a plane last night in New Jersey and head across the Atlantic Ocean to Finland. And then the game on Wednesday, I believe, would have been pushed to the weekend. We would have played Friday, Saturday in Finland against uh, the Avalanche. But that didn't happen, and that's unfortunate because I was really kind of looking forward to that. They didn't cancel it until really late. I mean, they never really announced it, but, um, you know, that's what was going to go on. And um, they didn't cancel it until really late. And I tried not to get my hopes up, but I really was looking forward and excited to go to Finland for those games. But uh, here we are in Denver, and like I said, Everything is good. Coming off a win, day off today, no complaints whatsoever. Well, not for the team. I have complaints about, you know, got in here last night. I was going to put this together, and then I started to uh, have some issues with my computer, and I was trying to fix them, and I was just looking at the thing cross-eyed by that time because it was a long day yesterday. It was a long day. But, um, but here I am, there you are, and you've got plenty of questions for me, and I'm going to answer all of them for you right after I tell you about Telhio Credit Union. You want to talk about people that can give you good answers to questions, like financial questions, like what should I do with my money? What is the best way for me to handle my own personal finances? Uh, what can I do to get a business loan? What can I do to get a car loan? Whatever it is. You have plenty of questions like that, and Telhio Credit Union has the answers for you. And to find some of those answers, all you have to do is go to their website at telhio.org. You can find the different types of accounts that they have. And it's not just a simple thing like, hey, I want a checking account, so let's do that. No, what kind of a checking account do you want? Because there are different levels with different perks, and you'll find something that fits you. Savings accounts, as I said, personal loans, uh, debt consolidation loans, whatever it is, you can find the information at tellhio.org. Just search around, click on the tabs, and if you don't find what you're looking for, during business hours, there is a live help option right there on the site. You can click on it, and somebody will pop up in the chat, and you can ask those questions directly to them. It is really just that easy. And that's what the people at Tellhio Credit Union do. They make it easy. They've been doing it for a long, long time. They are just dedicated to all of their customers in Central and Southwest Ohio. They care about you, and you'll know it. The minute that you click on their site, you start to look around, and then you talk with their people. You'll know exactly how much they care and that you have your finances in the right place. Telhio Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. All right, it's time to get to the mailbag. I always start with the voice questions first, and today we're going to head north to Cleveland. Hey, Bob, this is Joe from Cleveland. Some observations from Sunday night's game. It was nice seeing the first line really show up. Line A, Voracek, and Jenner instrumental in that victory tonight. Jenner's goal was probably the best of the season. That was real gutsy and and a captain's type goal, real, real leadership type goal. Loved it. Couple observations, questions to go along with them. Man, was that puck bouncing around a lot in that game. And I've noticed over the years, um, and I've heard various commentators uh, mention about the ice or is it the play? You know, it seems, depending on who you listen to and what game it is, 
uh, you'll get a different response. But um, just your thoughts uh, over the years. What causes some of these games to for that puck to turn into a tennis ball and just be bouncing all over the place? Um, and my other question is the cross-check in the third period. Um, watching it on TV a couple times, they played it back. I honestly couldn't see it. Um, so maybe educate me on that particular penalty. Uh, Jackets did a very admirable job in shutting down uh, that five-on-three and uh, five-on-four to get them into the overtime. So I'm um, looking forward to hear from you, and thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Joe, for a couple of good questions right there. Let's start with the bouncing puck. It can be for different reasons. Sometimes it's weather conditions. You know, sometimes you uh, get to some places where it's really warm, and if the humidity in the building is not right, it makes a difference. Some buildings, they just take care of the ice better than they do other buildings. I, that is, I don't know how to explain it more than that, but the players will talk about some places they go, the ice is really good, and there are other places they go to that, they just know that it's not going to be good. So I, I I don't know why that is. I don't know all the factors that go into that, but it is talked about. And there were there were some buildings that well, there's some that aren't played in anymore that, you know, you would hear players saying, Oh, well, we know that we're gonna battle with the puck in this place. But another thing that has an effect is when you have a building that has a lot of different events like Madison Square Garden, where you're playing uh, an NBA game one night, you're playing an NHL game the next night. In some cases, you're playing one of those in the afternoon and you're playing the other one at night. Anytime you're covering the ice with a flooring for a concert, for basketball, and you cover it, you uncover it, and, and go back to work on it, then uh, that can have an effect too. So sometimes that's why it has an effect uh, sometimes it's the weather conditions. So um, I really need to talk to Ian Huffman now that I think about it because he is the guy that uh, oversees all of the ice at Nationwide Arena and in the Ohio Health Ice House. And that would be an interesting conversation to have with him just to find out about that and find out what the conditions are and what the, what the, uh, the preparations are that you have to go through as an ice tech to make sure that you have the best surface for the players to play on. So I'm going to make a note of that, Joe. We're going to get Ian to uh, talk with us about that at some point. I have it marked down right here. As far as the cross-checking penalty, cross-checking is what the league is cracking down on this year. So they are looking for any little thing. It doesn't have to be as blatant as it did in the past because in the past it was blatant and they weren't calling it. So now they are cracking down on it, especially early in the season here, first 10 games. You can expect that referees – Anything they see that resembles a cross-check, they will more than likely call it, and they'll put you in the box. So on that particular play, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I don't know. I didn't see it, and I didn't see it because we had the worst TVs ever in New Jersey. First of all, where I sit in New Jersey, I can't see all of the scoreboard. Actually, I'm going to save this because I have another question that deals with this. So I'm going to hold on to this. So I didn't see it. I had zero replays yesterday. So if I missed it the first time or if it was something I couldn't see, I was just out of luck like everybody else. Uh, or not like everybody else because everybody else in the building or at home on TV could watch it. So I was just out of luck. So uh, that one I can't 
specifically comment on, but I can tell you that the league is all over the cross-check this year. So just don't do anything that even resembles a cross-check because if you do, you're probably going to the box. All right, now we come to a part of the show that we've never been at before, ever, ever, because you guys have been great about recording your questions and sending them in, and the quality has been good. Everything has been good until today. And Jonathan from Grove City had a question, and he recorded it. And, Jonathan, I don't know what happened, but the quality was just not arable. It was it was bad. Go back and listen to it. And that's my tip for you. Here's my free broadcast tip to all of you that record questions. Before you send them, go back and listen to it. Because if it's not understandable or if there's a lot of background noise, whatever the case is, then you'll know, and you won't send it. You'll re-record it. So, Jonathan, uh, sorry, I cannot put your question on the air. Now, I did go through, and I listened to it, and I I think that I have um, some of the I, – I think I have what you're asking. I'm pretty sure I have it. So, if I'm not 100% on it, uh, I beg your pardon on that. But I did the best that I could to listen to it. And I think that part of what your uh, question was, it was a two-part thing, and one of it – or the first part was about uh, guys that are not playing, like Igor Chinikov, who hasn't played the last couple of games, and he has been a healthy scratch while other people have been playing. So you had that question. I do know that. And I think somebody on Twitter, as I quickly search through the the questions that I got on Twitter, yes, absolutely, Uh, Barnstormer or Barno Stormer had this one. Uh, when is when is Gus Nyquist going to sit, and why not sit Max Domi until he is fully healthy? So this ties in with your question, Jonathan, about Chinikov. He's not playing. And your question was more specifically, is it doing him any good sitting here not playing as opposed to going to the, the American Hockey League? And that is a good question. And I know that Cleveland had been up in Toronto, so I know that was one issue where maybe you didn't want to – well, not maybe. You didn't want to send him across the border. Remember when they originally brought up Gabriel Carlson? It was to have an extra defenseman in case they needed somebody while the Cleveland Monsters were playing in Toronto. They didn't want to deal with the border there, rightfully so. So they made that move then. But they were in Toronto. They played the one game, and now they are back. Uh, They played this weekend in Syracuse and Hershey. So it is a good question. Uh, Does Chinikov benefit from sitting here? There is a benefit to practicing with the team. There's no doubt about that. But is that enough benefit not to be playing meaningful shifts in games? And I'm sure that they've been talking about that. I'm sure they're discussing it. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a decision that will be made. And maybe it's maybe they wanted to have him out west to have the extra forward. That's not a surprise. A lot of times when you go out west, you want to take extra players. So it's not a hassle to get somebody if something happens. So that's very possible. But to tie it into this other question about Gus Nyquist, yeah, Gus has struggled. He struggled, but to go to the question of when is he going to sit, I I just, uh, I think that's a hard one to do. I really think it's a hard one to do for a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, you made him an alternate captain, okay? So now to sit him is a little bit tougher. It is just, um, it is, it's just tough. Like, now you're saying to the guy a couple of weeks ago, hey, you're a great leader on this team, and then you're going to come back and say you're not good enough to play right now. And I know that would be fair. In many cases, but the veteran guys, you know this as well as I do, 
because of their history and what they've done in the past, they get extra chances. And I think they deserve those extra chances, quite frankly, because Gus Nyquist is a guy that could be invisible for four games and all of a sudden will show up in a big way for the next three because that's what he does. He hasn't done that yet. I understand that, but that is what he does. And remember, this is a guy that's coming off not playing all of last year. And we talked about that, how it would be great to get him back. You get basically a top six forward back in your lineup, but he didn't play a game all year last year. So I think you got to give him a little bit of time. And some of you are, you know, you're rolling your eyes and you're saying, oh, I'm protecting him. And no, these are facts. This guy has been a good and a consistent player throughout his career. He didn't play for an entire season. And now we're eight games into the next season. And, you know, people are saying, when's he going to come out? And I understand you want to see Chinikov play, and I understand that you want to have the best chance to win every night. But I think that Gus has earned um, a little bit more runway. Let's put it that way. Because of what he's done in the past and the fact that he didn't play last year. And you know it as well as I do. All of a sudden he can show up in a game and have three points and lead you to a win. He has that ability, and you know that from past experience. Um as far as the other part of this question on Twitter, you know, why don't you sit Max Domi until he's fully healthy? Well, I mean, he says that he is and he, he can play and that should be good enough. I mean, whether he's playing well or not, that's a different thing. But uh, if he's struggling, it's not because he's not healthy. He's cleared to play and he says he's ready to play. And so he plays. Now you've got to play well. Simple as that. Uh, but, Jonathan's voice question that was unusable also asked about what guys what guys do you think might be moved out by the end of the year? And those two guys, quite possibly, are ones to talk about for the reasons that we're talking about. Older players uh, making more money. Where do you see them fitting in in the future? Where do you see uh, their money fitting into the salary cap? And all of those things will come into play. So I don't know, but I think that as this season goes along, uh, there'll be a lot of long looks at players. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I want to put this on record right now today. So many people say Patrick Line, and, oh, if he has a good season, then you can really get a lot for him in a trade. I've had people say that to me. And at this point as I sit here, I think you're nuts. This is a guy that has scored 40 goals before, and I just watched him score that goal against New Jersey last night, showing his potential with a guy that can feed him the puck the way he wants to get it. And if the guy's going to score 30, 35, 40 goals, why would you want to trade that guy? Oh, do you get frustrated with him at times on his turnovers and this and that? Yeah, you do. But fact of the matter is, he's if he's going to – do you have another dynamic player like that, another goal scorer like that? Do you have one today? Do you have one in the system? Think about those questions. You have paid a goalie. You've given a goalie a big contract. You've given a defenseman a big contract. Those are building blocks. Who's going to be your forward building block? Think about that. Who's going to be your forward, your forward building block? Okay? Now, the end of the year might come, and they, they might deal them for the reasons that some of you think. Get the most that you can for them. But I'm, I, would be, I would be wary of that, quite honestly. I really, really would be. And again, that's as I sit here and talk to you about it today. Um, maybe two months from now, things are different. Who knows? Who knows? All right, back to uh, the email bag, Bobby Mack at bluejackets.com. Uh, this comes from Baji, 
or Bahi. I, I'm not sure how it's said, so correct me. I, I hope at least in one of those two tries I got it right. But anyway, here's the, uh, the email. It says, I feel in order for the Blue Jackets to be successful, they have to rule the faceoff circle. Uh, Boone Jenner saved the lackluster performance yesterday, not only with his steal and game-tying goal, but also by winning four of six faceoff draws in the overtime period. Yeah, that's, that was absolutely huge. Um, because as we all know, in overtime, puck possession is the key to getting the win. So uh, that was good on Boone. And the Blue Jackets have struggled in the last couple of years when it has uh, come to winning those faceoffs in the overtime which uh, is explained in this email. I'm kind of paraphrasing here because they're going through and uh, giving me all the, the, st the statistics on it. But here's another statistic that's stated, which is really important. Very quietly this week, Jack Roslovic won 17 of his 20 draws in three games. I feel the Blue Jackets might be a better team if Roslovic were to become strong in the faceoff circle and center our top line, allowing Boone to play on the wing and another line. Do you agree? If Boone were moved to the wing, do we have anyone else who can play the center position to replace him? I realize a major decision is due on Cole Sillinger. If he's sent to Cleveland to slow his clock toward restricted free agency, then it seems our only option is Texier. And while there are things I like about his game, I've noticed often he seems to overthink the game. Uh, how often do we see Texier or some of our players charge the net with the puck only to try and dish it off at the last second and then the pass gets deflected and the play is broken up? I think our players need not try in fancy tic-toe or not try fancy tic-tac-toe but just shoot the puck when they have a shot. Do you agree? Or is there something I'm failing to understand? No, I agree with that. I've said that many times. Uh, one little correction there. Sillinger, if he got sent to Cleveland, that would not slow his clock because he's still in his pro contract. You would have to send him to junior to slow his clock towards a restricted free agency. And I just can't see that. He plays center. He's playing fine. And I, I just can't see that going back to junior because – who is going to play that position? As you're saying, first of all, Roslovic, look, yeah, he did a great job winning faceoffs this week, and that's awesome. He has to get better at that, and I'm sure he will. But I don't think you can put him on that line with Voracek in line A because Roslovic doesn't defend well enough, and those two guys don't defend. So are you going to have a full line of all offense, no defense? That's not, that's not ideal. And Boone Jenner gives you that defensive – responsibility in the middle of the ice on that line, and that's why he's there. I mean, with Jake Voracek, after the game in his press conference yesterday, uh, somebody asked him about his game, and he said, well, we didn't get scored on. That's a big thing. Like, he knows. He knows he's an offensive guy, and defense isn't his forte, and he's fine with that. But, you know, you've got to have somebody there, and that's why Boone is there, and that's why I just don't think that'll work. And I think that's why Jack hasn't gotten a sniff there on that line, even through training camp because of that so I understand what you're saying in theory and in principle but honestly I just don't think that uh I don't think that one works at least it doesn't work right now maybe if Jack continues to work on his two-way play and get better there maybe it could work at some point all right let's go to Paul Paul says uh, eight games in and I couldn't help but notice those three losses the Blue Jackets weren't very competitive and they lost big is this a product of a young team looking for consistency? I'm happy they bounce back each time with a win. It's a great sign. Just wanted to get your thoughts on those losses because on paper they look very similar. They do, Paul. You're absolutely right. And I do think it is a young team with uh, the chemistry that's not fully in place yet that is the reason for that. That's what I'm going to say right now because that's how it appears uh, as we go on 
they'll tell you more about themselves as they play more games. But I think you're right. I think they were they weren't ready for that game in Detroit, and they got taken to school there. Which, by the way, Detroit since then has done that to a couple of teams that you think would would have beaten them. Um, uh, what was the other Carolina? Carolina is just really good. I'm sorry, that's a measuring stick game, and you didn't measure up. And the Rangers, the Rangers used their speed, and the Blue Jackets didn't. So you're right; they they all look very similar, and it all has to do with speed. When the other team is outskating them and uh, getting them back on their heels, then that's that's been the key. That has been the one common denominator in those three games. Uh, Corey in Cincinnati says, "Glad to have you back in my podcast rotation for what's already been an exciting season." Well, Corey, I'm back to be. Ba- I'm glad to be back in your rotation. Uh, Corey says, my question is about road trips with the team. What are your favorite cities to visit? Do you have any favorite dinner spots or lesser-known attractions when you're on the road? I've always wondered if the different teams' broadcasters get together for dinner, beers, and stories when on the road, or if the travel is too exhausting to do much socializing. Also, which cities do the Blue Jackets players tend to get most excited to visit? I would imagine the upcoming trip to Vegas post-COVID would be a highlight on the calendar. Yeah, I would say you're probably right about that, Corey. I I think you I think you would be spot on, as they say. Spot on, Corey. You would be spot on. Uh I have another question here to tie in on that. Uh Rich Montesi on Twitter said to me, What's your favorite NHL city? Uh what's your favorite to visit, your least favorite to visit, and why? So I can wrap all of these up uh together all in one. Um I like going to Tampa. I just love going to Tampa. I think it's, you know, the weather's usually nice. Uh, if you have some time, you can get out to the beach easily. You, um, It's a good hockey atmosphere there. Uh, I, I do like going to Tampa. That's And when people would ask me about that in the past, I'd always forget about Tampa. I don't know why, because I enjoy going there so much. It's just comfortable. I feel comfortable when I go there. I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but you and you also have to realize that the way that I will evaluate, I was going to say we, I can't speak for every broadcaster. I'll speak for me. Going to a city, you evaluate the hotel that you stay in, what is around that hotel, and the arena that you go to, because that's pretty much what you're limited to, right? So, um, you know, Tampa checks the boxes on that. So it's still one of my favorite places to go. Vancouver is an awesome spot to go to. Even the days when it's overcast and rainy, it is still awesome. Um, it's a great downtown. I, I love going there. You can walk down to the water. You can see the cruise ships. You can see the, the planes land on the water. So I love Vancouver. Uh, those two places are probably tops. I enjoy going to Vegas. I'm not a big gambler, but, you know, it's fun. There's something going on at all times. So uh, those would be favorites. Least favorite. And remember earlier when I started to complain about something in Jersey and I said, hold on for a while? Here you go. I'm telling you. And I think about it, and look, I didn't like going to the Nassau Coliseum. And again, it was because we were in a hotel that was not very nice. It was across the parking lot. There was nothing around there to eat. You had to get a cab and go somewhere. And there was nothing to see, and it was brutal. So that was always right at the top. But let me tell you something. The Prudential Center in New Jersey is a nice building. It is not a fantastic building, in my opinion. It is a nice building. It is a building that looks really nice planted in the city where it is because I just, thankfully, we stayed in New York City, okay? And even if you stay in Jersey City, that's not bad. But when you get to the Prudential Center, 
It's just, it's not great. And the building is, it's just adequate. It's not fun. But the TVs yesterday, and they've got like 30 TVs lined up so that when you're on press row, you can look up and see replays. I don't know if they were running those TVs off internet. They must have been because they would just pixelate every, I don't know, 20 seconds. So much that I couldn't even see a replay. The play would start and the whole screen would get fuzzy and then it would come back. I couldn't watch one single replay yesterday. So when you ask me this question about where I do not like to go, and for years I banged on Detroit, and I'll tell you what, they're cleaning up the downtown in Detroit. There's more restaurants and there's more things to do. So if you stay in the city, all right, the hotel part of a trip to Jersey is not bad. But going to the rink, forget about it. Just forget about it, in my opinion. It is just it's, it's least favorite, and I think I gave you enough reasons for that. All right? So now we have covered that. And we've covered the questions that have come through via email. Bobby Mack, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at BlueJackets.com. So it's on to Twitter for the rest of this. And uh, Harley Reichman says, how do you feel the team has played in the first few games of the season? Harley, I think they played exactly how – I expected them to play and what I told you at the beginning of the season. Some will be good. Some will be bad. They're going to be better than people from the outside think they're going to be. And will they have enough to be in the playoff hunt? I think they're going to be in that hunt uh, for a while. Will they be there at the end? It's very possible. It, it, I don't know how likely it is, but it's very possible. So I have not been very surprised. I've been disappointed about some of those games like we were talking about a moment ago where you kind of got skated out of the building. But um, but not surprised. It's it's been good overall. Overall, it's been good so far. Uh, next, Shane says, "How important is Voracek's beard to this team, and why is the answer extremely <laughs> like your levity, Shane? Uh, it it was extremely big yesterday because it helped Jake um, set up two goals and score a game winner in a shootout. So, fear the beard, man." It is, it's real. It is real. Uh, Lauren says, when you were a kid, did you ever dress up as a sports broadcaster for trick-or-treating? No. No, I did not. Because who would have known? They, nobody would be able to tell if I was a sports broadcaster or, um, I don't know, an accountant, a lawyer. Now I'm going to make all the accountants and the lawyers mad. But I, it, it wouldn't be a very, uh, I, I don't think that costume would be very, creative I, I just don't know if it would sell the costume itself I just don't know that it would sell unless you had one of those like gold blazers with the network logo on the chest now then it would sell but I didn't have one of those never wanted one of those as a matter of fact just didn't Jody says I think now that uh, Jonas Corposalo got his first win it will help to get that weight lifted off his shoulders and he can start to roll I agree with you Jody I really do he was he looked like a very relaxed man in his post-game press conference yesterday, and, and I was glad for him because I've told you before, he's played well and didn't have the result for it, and yesterday he got a result. Um, I was glad he said that he'd like to have one of those goals back in the second period because I thought that first one that he allowed in the second was uh, one that he could have stopped. But anyway, you know, he's, he's a realist, and – he knows that he could have done better, but he also knows that he played well enough to give his team a chance to win, and they did get a win for him. Um, Jeremy says, three quick questions. Three? Holy cow. Got to put a limit on these, Jeremy. 
Uh, no, here's, here are his questions. How's the first real road trip back with multiple stops? Uh, what was your favorite Halloween candy? And favorite candy, oh, what was your favorite Halloween costume and favorite candy to get on Halloween? Uh, let's go in reverse order. I like Reese's Cups. That That's my favorite. That is my favorite. And when I buy candy to hand out to trick-or-treaters, you can bet that what I buy is something I like because if it's left over, you know, it's got to disappear at some time. But Reese's Cups are my favorite. Uh, what was my favorite Halloween costume when I was a kid? I think my favorite one actually was being Darth Vader because I loved Darth Vader. What does that tell you about my personality? Dark, evil, ominous. Yeah, 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 you got it. But um, but it was one of those old costumes. And for those of you that are older, you re you remember the days of the plastic mask with like the around the eyes where it was so jagged it felt like it was cutting into your eye. But we all just wore them because that's what you did. And Nobody seemed to care about it whatsoever. You know, remember those masks, some of you? But, um, yeah, Darth Vader was my favorite one as a kid. And the road trip, how's it been? It's been fairly normal. I've been surprised. I mean, you know, you uh, New York has uh, their own rules, their, their own COVID rules. But uh, for the most part, everything has been pretty close to normal. And that is a, a very welcome feeling, very welcome feeling, not just for me, but for the players and staff and everybody. Uh, it's just good to be having some semblance of getting back to doing what you've done for so long. And I've got one more question here. I, I told you at the beginning, I always get the voice questions out of the way early, but today I make an exception because, well, I'll just play it for you and you'll know why I made the exception. Hey, Bobby Mack. It's Cameron Maynard here in Forest Hills, Kentucky. Um, I'll be honest, I'm pretty pissed that the Bengals lost to the Jets today. They had no business losing that game. My favorite college football team is the Kentucky Wildcats. They lost to Mississippi State yesterday in a total dud like the Bengals did today. Um, so, you know, I thought it was going to be a lost weekend for sports. But, you know, luckily the Blue Jackets pulled out the win in the shootout against the Devils today. But I don't have any questions about the playing side of things. I have a different question to ask this week. I'm going to ask you, I want to know about your entire broadcasting history. I'm curious, you know. I know you broadcast for the Blue Jackets, and I know you broadcasted for the Syracuse Crunch. But, you know, what is your broadcasting history before that? Like, I'm talking about, like, from the time you were a little kid, you know, up through elementary, middle school, high school, college. You know, what made you want to be a sports broadcaster and be in radio? Like, all that I'm interested to know. Um, look forward to you answering my question. And as always, go Blue Jackets. Thanks, Bob. Well, Cameron, a couple of things. First of all, I'm sorry that it was a bad sports weekend for you, except for the Blue Jackets win. I'm glad they were able to salvage things for you. Uh, when it comes to the Bengals, you know, I'm a Steelers guy, so that was helpful to me. And then, you know, what the Steelers were able to pull the rabbit out of the hat yesterday, which now all the Browns fans are mad at me. But anyway, let's not get into all of that. Let's not get into all of that, whereas I have all the bragging rights for one weekend. Let's talk about the fact that um, – you want to know about my history. Look, we're already 35 minutes into a 30-minute podcast here, and I could go on for much, much longer, believe me. Ask some of the groups that I've talked to. I'll try to condense it for you, uh, Cameron, but I knew I wanted to be on the radio at a very young age. I used to listen to morning shows, and I thought that those people sounded like they were having a great time, just laughing and carrying on, and I thought that's got to be the greatest job in the world. You can have fun and get paid for it. And I was right, but what I was wrong about was, you know, the morning shows, you got to be there 
at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So what kind of fun is that? I mean, your whole sleep schedule, uh, you miss out on a lot of life because you got to be up and be on that morning show. But, um, you know, in school, I knew when I was in high school, I didn't play any sport well enough that I was going to have a chance to play it at another level. So I had figured out that, you know, there's got to be another way. I've got to find another way if I want to stay in sports. And fortunately, I took my love for radio in sports and I put it together. And when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of sports on radio, baseball, football, hockey, all the time. So I was, you know, familiar with how they went about things. And that's what I wanted to do. And I got out of high school and my thoughts were to go to college and the school I wanted to go to wouldn't take me because my grades weren't good enough and then I didn't know what to do. And so I decided to take a year off and figure it out. And during that year off, I stumbled across this broadcast school and I went and I went through the program in Pittsburgh at a, a school that no longer exists. And I know why now, because I learned more working than I learned at the school. But, you know, at the time I was trying to get trained and trying to figure out the industry. And while I was going there, I got a job at my hometown station. And I was excited about that because I knew they carried all the, the high school sports. I knew that from being in school that they carried all of our sports. So I got a part-time job there and was still working at other places. I uh, finally got on the list of doing high school football. I remember my first high school football game like it was yesterday. Well, I remember the beginning of it anyway. I was working with a teacher from my high school, and he was one of these teachers. That, look, I don't even know what he really taught. He might have taught some health, but I know he did driver's ed, and I never had him, but he was one of those teachers that walked around like he owned the whole school. You know them. You know them. You know, he was like very full of himself and you didn't have to ask him because you could just see it when you looked at him. So he was my partner on my very first high school football game. And I walked in and he said to me, when we come on the air, I'll handle it. I'll bring it on the air. And that didn't surprise me. And it was my first time and he had done other games and I was like, sure, whatever, go ahead and, and lead it however you want to. And I'll never forget, as we were getting counted down that it was time to come on, the minute it got to one, and he had a piece of paper in front of him, and he started reading his game open. Literally like, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to tonight's game. And it was so bad. And I thought, this guy that walks around like he owns a place, then can't just talk and do his opening? I was, I was flabbergasted. But it taught me a lesson right then and there that I would never do that. I would never read something and and write it down. Not Sometimes you write things down and you read them, but it's the way that you do it. I would never do it and sound like I'm reading something. It would be written by me. It would be from the heart. If I looked at it, it would be just as uh, guideposts or guardrails or whatever you want to call them. It would be to stay within the lines, right? So... Uh, that, that was interesting. That was my first high school football game. But the um, And then I went on to – I got a part-time job at a station in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, a country station. I was doing on-air there. That was an interesting thing. I, they hired me as a part-time guy, and right after they hired me, uh, the, the guy that was doing midnight to 5 a.m. Uh, or the guy that was doing 7 to midnight, yeah, he left to go to another station in Pittsburgh – and they moved the guy that was doing midnight to 5 a.m. to the 7 to midnight slot, and they asked me to work the overnights until they found somebody, and that went on for weeks. And then the guy that 
moved to the 7 to midnight. He also left for another job somewhere, and they moved me to the 7 to midnight slot, and I did that for a long time while they searched for somebody to do it full-time. I was doing it full-time on part-time pay for months, quite frankly. Plus, I was working another job. I was uh, working from 8 to 4, and then I would go to the radio station from 7 to midnight, and on days that you had to do commercials after your shift, sometimes you'd be there till 2 in the morning. So it was it was a lot. Uh, it had, while this was all going on, I was applying for minor league baseball jobs, and I got the job as the, the hockey mascot in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I, I landed that job to try to get a foot in the door. So I finally got the offer to go to minor league baseball, and I jumped in my car and packed what I needed and went to Kinston, North Carolina, which I didn't even know where it was. I had to literally find it on a map and drive there. And that was the beginning of it was the beginning of where I am right now. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, that started in 1994 was my first baseball job. And it went until September. And I needed another job over the winter. And the owner of the hockey team in Johnstown wanted me to come back and be the mascot. And I told him that I can't just do that. I've got to have a full-time job. So he made me the director of group ticket sales. So I would go in every day to the office and call different groups, church groups, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, whatever it may be, trying to sell groups of 10 or more. And then when the games would come, I would be the mascot for the home games. And we had a radio guy there at the time, and his name is Greg DeVito. And he is one of my dearest friends to this day. And he's the guy that I am most indebted to because he took me under his wing knowing that I was doing baseball on radio. And he had these high school hockey games he had to do as part of his deal with the radio station that carried the uh, games, the Johnstown Chiefs games. And he asked me if I wanted to go and do these high school games with him. He'd let me do a couple of periods and critique me. And and I took him up on the offer. And we went out and we did that. And he taught me really the ins and outs of broadcasting hockey. And then I started working with him on the away games, uh, the close ones, the Wheeling, Erie, you know, places I could drive to. would go and uh, I would go and do color with him on those games. And couple years later he left to go to the American Hockey League and the job was open and I went back and got the job as the radio guy in Johnstown and here's why I was thinking about this this week because somebody asked me the other night when we were in uh, Madison Square Garden the guy that was my engineer after the second period he said to me he goes how long have you been doing this and I said what you mean here he goes well just in general and I said well uh, this is my 13th season in Columbus and prior to that, I spent 10 in the American Hockey League in Syracuse and two in the East Coast Hockey League in Johnstown. And I did the math. That's 25 years. It's 25 years of pro hockey for a guy that got into baseball further back than that and thought that's what he was going to be. 25 years of pro hockey with a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in there. You know, the, the college footballs and college basketballs on ESPN3, the uh, the obscure events that I did. Uh, what have I called? I called called bowling one time on TV when I was in Syracuse. <laughs> that was fun. It really was fun. Um, I've done lacrosse. Uh, you know, and lacrosse was something I, I, I was trying to feel my way through. And the game I did became an instant classic, and it was on all the time because – it was for uh, Colgate, and they upset Navy, who at the time was ranked number two or three in the country. And 
was this instant classic, and they played it all the time. And for years in Syracuse, people would say, I saw you do that lacrosse game. You did a great job. Number one, they didn't know that it was probably two years before that when I called it. And number two, they really didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing when I showed up there to do that game. So, so Cameron, uh, I hope that answers your question. I appreciate you asking. I, it, it, you start telling this, going through it, and, and it takes you down memory lane for all the people that you've come across and all the different things that you've done and how fortunate you really are. And that's that's what it is. 25 years of pro hockey – for a guy that started as a mascot and never thought he would wind up in the National Hockey League. Um, I told you, Greg, my buddy uh, who helped me to learn how to broadcast hockey, his dream was to be in the NHL. And he got to the American Hockey League and the International Hockey League, but he never got to the National Hockey League. But, you know, he's he's a guy I still talk to all the time. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago the, when opening night. It was a day before opening night. And he sent me a text, and, and we talked, and I told him I can never thank him enough for, you know, having the faith in me to to bring me in and bring me into what is a great world of hockey. And I've been able to experience it now at pro hockey at three different levels. I've had a, a son – well, both my kids started playing, and one of them came all the way up through the high school system and played. I've met so many great people doing this and I have gone to so many great places as the question earlier was you know where do you like to go and there are times you take all that stuff for granted to be honest with you uh, you forget about the journey sometimes you have to sit and reflect on it as I am right now to appreciate every bit of the journey that you've taken and you know things you, you get used to getting on the private plane you get used to sitting in the nice hotel I was joking with Steve McCarthy yesterday, who's our assistant coach that runs the defense. We were coming out of the building in New Jersey, and I said, what are you doing tomorrow? He goes, oh, I don't have any idea. I go, just going to hang out at the uh, big five-star hotel just like you do in the American Hockey League? And he laughed because you don't do that in the American Hockey League. Um, you get to an embassy suites, and you've got it made in the American Hockey League. So um, – you forget sometimes. You forget. And there have been two things. Uh, number one is, Cameron, you asking me this question makes me really appreciate. But last year's COVID year makes you appreciate. Because in, in right now, as the question was asked, how's, how's the first real road trip? It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Because we take it for granted. John Tortorella told me all the time, and you heard him tell me in interviews, we are so spoiled. And we are. And we forget. And so sometimes it's good to talk about it and remember and go back and, and think about the journey. And, and no matter what you're doing for a living, no matter what you do, you got there somehow. And how did you get there? And even you know, maybe you're doing something that you don't even necessarily love what you're doing, but it's, it's getting you the opportunity to uh, have a home and a car and raise a family or whatever it is. But, people helped you get there or you met different people along the way. And sometimes maybe when you're sitting in traffic on 270 or 670, just take a minute and, and reflect on that. And I, th this has turned into some kind of a Ted talk here, which I didn't mean for it to do, but um, really we should, we, we all should appreciate more. And, and I do, I really do appreciate uh, the people that have given me opportunities, uh, the people that have pushed me, to work harder, to grab opportunities, and mostly to the people 
that have listened and have watched all through the years because honestly, if it's not for you, there's no need for me. That's just a fact. Whether it's this show, whether it's a game, whether it's a rink report, if there's not you, there's not me. So thank you. Thanks for asking the question. Thanks for being there. And that's pretty much all I had to say about that, in the words of Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> but Blue Jackets not playing until Wednesday night here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Jody Shelley and I will have an inside edge this week. Last week I told you we would, and then I didn't realize there was a conflict with the crew. But we'll have a show for you this week uh, from 7 to 8 on our flagship station, 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Pre-game coverage then starts at 8.30 for a 9 o'clock face-off, Blue Jackets and the Colorado Avalanche. And that'll wrap up this three-game trip, and the Blue Jackets will be back for the weekend to take on the Avalanche, completing the home-and-home -home series. Thanks for all of your questions. Again, anytime on Twitter, at Sports via email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and I will talk to you on Wednesday with the Inside Edge and the Blue Jackets taking on the Colorado Avalanche. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.